Well, if you don't know me, um, I'm Paul Mills. I'm a pastor at this church. I know it's been a while. It's been about a month since I preached now, and uh, we've had staff do some preaching, and and that's intentional. Uh, that's that's not that. It, it's easier for me to preach than not to preach. Let's put it that way. But but I love to hear our staff preach. I think they're talented, and and I enjoy when I hear pastor. Yeah, give them a hand this morning. And I enjoy hearing them, and I think it's to the benefit of the church to realize that this is never about one person, but it's about a body. It's about people serving together. And, and Christy did an outstanding job the first week of this series, and Josh did an outstanding job. I think Pastor Bob is scheduled next week, am I right? And so he's been working for three years on this sermon, so this is going to be a you're going to get it sermon. Uh, all the problems he's seen over the last three years, he's going to address. And so we're excited about that. And uh, I am. I'm excited to hear Pastor Bob preach. And, and I am thankful for my staff. It gives me a chance to just observe, to, to, to be in the service and observe. And, you know, you, you see all sorts of stuff happen, good stuff and not so good stuff as you sit in the service. You know, I, I, during worship, you know, I sit in the back. I sit in a place I typically don't sit two weeks ago, and I just watched people worship together. And, and I watched this. I, I saw people who were going through hardship kind of encourage one another, and it encouraged me. It gave me a chance to go into the children's service and, and, and watch what they were doing and, and just watch Pastor Kim do an outstanding job over there and our kids learning about the things of God. You know, as we're in here, your kids are learning about God there. And that's exciting. Now, it was fun to watch them in worship. During worship, during the singing part, they had one little guy, and I'm not going to say his name, but the little guy was just running in circles the entire time they were singing. And it kind of changed my perspective. I used to think that when people ran in the service, it was because they were unusually full of the Spirit. It may just be they were unusually hyperactive is why they were doing that. Uh, you know, it makes sense when you think about it. But it was an opportunity for me to look again. Uh, to look at what we're doing as a church. And, and this is the Look Again series. And anytime, we, we should always be willing to look again at the Word of God. And just so you'll know, since I didn't preach last week, I didn't change my clock, so it's only 8 o'clock, so I have an hour and a half. Uh, are, you, are you ready for that? Thank you, Josh, for, for preaching as we sprang forward. That was a gift of God to me. And, and, a, and, and Josh not looking close enough at the calendar, I know. But, but we always need to look again at the Bible, you know, the, the, the Bible and these stories. And if you've been in the church for any length of time, you, you've read and you've heard these stories countless times. And, and, and sometimes it's possible just to, to see them, but not really see these stories and, and not really hear these words. You know, the, the Bible is an amazing book. And as I think about the Bible, the, the Bible has spoken to me at every stage of my life. As a preschooler, before I even had a full understanding of the things of God, people could tell me the stories of the Bible and it spoke to me. And those same stories speak to me now. So, so the Bible's this, this amazing living document, this book where, where God can speak to us from the cradle to the grave. <laughs> 
and in different ways. We can look at scriptures and, and one day we'll have one meaning. Then we'll look at it through another prism and, and, and the light of our circumstances will give us another perspective of what God is saying. See, see God's bigger than us. And if you ever think that you've come to the place where you've arrived and you can't learn more about God, you're mistaken. God is bigger than us. And from, from the time we're born to the time we die, we have this great opportunity to learn more about God and more about ourselves. You know, the, the Bible is applicable to, to all cultures. Think about that, this. All across the world today, the Bible is being read and it's applicable and it has meaning to people in all cultures. You know, it's been applicable and it applies to all eras of history. From the, from the first century to now, the Bible has had application. So it's important that we look again at the Word of God, because the Word of God is alive, and we need the Word of God. The Bible is not a book that you master. It's not a course, but it's the fuel, it's the food of life. And then we need to look again at life. You know, it's important to look again, right? Remember, that's one of the first things you teach your kids, look both ways before you cross the street. How many times do you look before you cross the intersection when you're driving? How many times do you look? Three, I'm glad somebody said three and not two. Some of you in Marysville only look twice. You know, you look left, you look right, you look left again. And, and, and I've learned to look right and look left again, okay? And, and so don't honk at me as I sit at a stop sign forever. You know, we, we need to look, we, we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention to what's in front of us. I know, that's how I fell. <laughs> I don't even... Oh, Lord, help us. Have you missed me? <laughs> the, other day, the other day, I was running. And, you know, I, you've got to, when you're running outside, you've got to look, right? You've got to pay attention to cracks and the, the pavement, or they can make you, you, you know what happened. So, so I was running down Creekview, and it was in the morning. It was kind of a busy time, and I wasn't looking close enough, and my back toe caught a crack in the concrete. And you know that feeling, you know, you'll stumble when you run and stuff. So, you know, it's not that I've never done this before. And as I'm running, I'm thinking, oh no, I'm going to stumble. And then I realized very quickly that this wasn't going to be a stumble. This was going to be a full on face plant into the pavement. Legs up in the air, you know, one of those. But I did what anybody would do. I just did a set of push-ups. You know, I, I meant to do this. It was push-up time. You know, we, we need to look again. Uh, look, look again. Looking again keeps us from tripping over life. And, and it keeps us with a fresh perspective. And in the back of the sanctuary, we have these vases or vases. Is it vases or vases? What, you guys, what is it? Vase, okay. We have these containers <laughs> in the back of the sanctuary where... where some of you have went through events in your life and when you went through them, they were awful and, and, and still there's awful components of it. But as you look back and look again, you can see how the hand of God was at work and God used it for your good. And, and we're encouraging you to share those stories with us. Maybe it's a longer story and you want to email staff or you want to talk to us and tell, tell us about it. But it's important that we re-examine life. 
And today we're going to look again at the crucifixion. As we begin to talk about the crucifixion, let me ask you a question. You ever do the right thing <laughs> even though you didn't want to do the right thing? <laughs> That's kind of a convoluted question, isn't it? You ever do the right thing even though you didn't want to do the right thing? It's near, near the end of March. And so uh, in the next few weeks, if you've not already done it, you will file your taxes, and if you owe taxes, hopefully you will pay taxes so that I'm not visiting you in prison, okay? Who wants to pay taxes? Raise your hand. Yeah, nobody does. But, but you do it because it's the right thing to do. It's what the law compels you to do. So you pay your taxes. It's something you do not because you feel like doing it, because you know you have to do it. Exercise is the same. We, who loves to exercise? Raise your hand. We got a, few, a handful of you. Okay. Yeah, Baylor does. Grayson does. It must be a green family thing. I, I've been lifting weights. I hate lifting weights. They're heavy. But I do it because it's the right thing. And I'm realizing that the older I get, the punier I'm getting. Okay. So, so there's things that we do in our life because it's the right thing to do. It's the have-to of life. Now, here's my main point for this morning. The, the thing that, that's going to drive what we're talking about this morning. Faith rises above feelings. In your spiritual life, faith rises above feelings. If you want to be an effective servant of God, if, if you really want to follow Jesus, faith has to rise above our feelings. Let's read our scripture together. I want you to, to listen to this as I tell this story. And, and, and whatever you need to do to put yourself in this story, maybe you have to close your eyes, but, but I want you to imagine yourself in this story. I don't want you to just hear this story. We're in Matthew 27. If it helps you to read along, read along. But whatever you need to do, I want, to, want you to situate yourself in this story. Matthew 27, beginning in verse 45. Now from the sixth hour... Darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthan. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there, when they heard it, began saying, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and rocks were split. The tombs were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now the centurion and those who were with him, keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquakes, earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, truly this was the Son of God. Many women were following, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee while ministering to him. Among them was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph 
and, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Lord, help us as we look at this and try to unpack what you're telling us through this passage. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Do you see the raw emotion? <laughs> the, the, the trauma, the, the passion, the, the unsettling nature of what's going on in Matthew 27? All that's happening in the cross, it's just emotional and gut-wrenching and it's very difficult to put your thumb on and in the midst of it, it would be a little bit confusing if you were a follower of Jesus. How could it be like this? But it's so, it's so raw. Who's seen the passion of the Christ? Raise your hand. Who, after you saw the passion of the Christ, had a better understanding of this scene? <laughs> the pain, the suffering, all that was going on in these few short verses. Now, now there's much that you see in here. Besides the raw emotion, besides the confusion, what well, we see the veil being torn. Of course, the veil is this, this tapestry that, that hung between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the temple, and it was torn from the top to the bottom. And, and this veil represented the separation between this holy God and ordinary people like us. That, that, that we could not be in the presence of God. And, and, it, and this, this tearing of the veil was God-initiated. God tore the veil from the top to the bottom to signify to us that on the cross, Jesus had fundamentally changed everything. That no longer were we separate from God, but we could enter into the Holy of Holies, that we can be in the presence of God because of what Jesus was doing on the cross. It's a new day, folks. We don't worship a God who is distant and far away. But as we've gathered in this place this morning, God is fully present to us. And God wants to indwell us. We can be in the presence of God. It looked like defeat. But, but it was God's version of victory. It was God's version of life. As a matter of fact, later on in the scripture, even at the point of death, resurrection was already occurring. The, the tombs at the death of Jesus. And I gotta tell you, I, I've read this and I've seen this and I've wondered about the significance of this. And has anybody else ever wondered what happened to those people later on? Do they just keep living? Do they die later? What, what? Somebody else has to be honest and say, I, I wonder what happened to those guys. But whatever happened to him, the story writer, the, 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 the gospel writer is making sure that we understand that at the death there's this fundamental change in our relationship with God and death has already been defeated. Now the resurrection will confirm, the resurrection will fully show, but God has already won. Sin and separation and death is defeated. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? The cross gives life. The cross gives us life in the presence of our heavenly Father. Now the writer of Hebrews is 
as I thought about the, the meaning of the, the cross and, and, and how to talk about this part of it, this aspect of it, and, and this isn't the main part of the sermon today, but, but we, can't, we can't go by a, a passage on the cross on, on a Sunday and not talk about the significance of the, what the cross brings. In Hebrews 9, verses 11 through 15, the writer writes, but when Christ appeared, As a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who've been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience, (laughs) cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that since a death has taken place for redemption of the transgressions that they were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. What's the cross give you? The cross gives you life. The cross can give you a clean conscience. The the cross brings the forgiveness of sins. What looked like utter defeat was God's victory. Now, I believe that any time we talk about these things, it would be pastoral malpractice not to give opportunity. Now, not to say, listen, maybe you've come into this place and you're still living as a first covenant follower. In other words, you're still doing all these things trying to appease God. You're you're trying to earn your own way into heaven. You're you're trying to serve God with just religious acts, but there's no relationship and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's possible. Maybe you've been going through all the motions and this morning I want you to know that Jesus has paid the price for your sins and you can live in full relationship with your heavenly father because of what Jesus did on the cross. The blood of Jesus is enough. And before we go any further, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Maybe today is the day. Lord, help us. If there's anything separating us from you, Lord, if there's sins that need to be confessed, Lord, may we confess them. If there's something in our life that's not pleasing to you, may you reveal it, Lord, and may we cling to the cross. May we just allow your spirit to to change us and transform us from the inside out. We're thankful, Lord, for what Jesus did, but, but Lord, may we put our faith fully in you and trust you, Lord, for our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. But the cross is not just the way we find life. It is intended to be our way of life. It's not just the point of life, it's the way of life. It's not just something we cling to, it's something we live for. Now Jesus says, before he dies on a cross, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And over and over in the Bible, we see this 
this command that as followers of Jesus, we're, we're not just to reap the benefits of the cross, but we're to live the cross. That the cross is going to represent the way we live. We're, we're called to be in Romans, we're called to be living sacrifices. We're, we're called to give our lives away. We're called to die to ourselves. So, so somehow, the, the cross is not just a symbol of salvation, but the cross becomes our way of life. That, that somehow, we need to share in the cross of Christ. Now, Paul writes in Philippians 3.10 like this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, being coming, becoming like him in his death. In other words, to, to Paul, there's this understanding that somehow to get to this resurrected life, to get to the resurrection, the only way through it is the cross. Now, not just the cross of Jesus, but sharing in the cross of Jesus, sharing in the suffering of Jesus. Now, when Paul talks about sharing in the suffering of Christ, he's not just talking about suffering or hard times, and it's more than just bad things happening. You know, everyone suffers, everyone has hard times, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. Amen? You you go go to the hospital, there'll there'll be people there who are suffering that have no faith in Jesus Christ. Suffering is part of life. People are killed wrongly every day. But that's not necessarily sharing in the cross of Christ, sharing in the suffering of Christ. Paul's talking about a faith lived in suffering. In other words, somehow how Jesus expressed and lived in faith in the midst of his suffering is how we should live in faith and trust and hope in the midst of our suffering. That that, that there's a faith that is connected to the suffering. So I want to look again as we're going through the series in the next few minutes at the faith of Jesus expressed in his suffering. How do we share? How do we have a faith that shares in the suffering of Christ on the cross? Now, in the middle of the passage is, is really the, the key words, and, and this always stands, stands out to me. Matthew 27, 46, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does anybody else, does that, does that just turn your insides when you see Jesus saying that? Does that just move you to compassion when you see Jesus, the only son of the Father, saying these words? Now, it depends on which translation you read. In the Luke version of the crucifixion, Jesus seems to be more in control. Read read them side by side. And in Luke, you find all these elements of Jesus, and he looks like the Jesus I want to see on the cross. In Luke, Jesus is coming in to be crucified. He looks at the ladies and says, why do you weep for me? You know, weep for Jerusalem. And it's in the Luke version that you find Jesus 
turning to a thief on the cross while he's dying and forgiving him. That seems like Jesus to me, right? It's in the Luke version that Jesus looks down from the cross and says, forgive him. They don't even know what they're doing. So in the Luke version, you see this image of the controlled Jesus, that the godly Jesus, but in the Matthew version, it's different. It's raw. It's Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now some will take this and say, ah, Jesus is quoting Psalm 22. And I would go the other way. I'd say Jesus isn't quoting Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is quoting Jesus. See, see, I believe in Matthew, you're seeing a glimpse of the human crucified Jesus experiencing what we sometimes experience in suffering. That he's not fully in control or if his emotions, and these emotions are feeling abandoned, alone. You say, well, well, how do you reconcile then Luke and Matthew? I don't know about you folks, but that's kind of how I go through life. When I go through intense times of suffering, when I go through hard times, difficult times, there's times where I'm like, ah, I got this. And then there's times I'm like, how am I going to get through this? And I think you see in Matthew and Luke, you see Jesus expressing fully God, fully human. This Jesus who days before had said, me and the Father are so close. When you see the Father, you see me. You're saying you guys hadn't seen the Father? Here he is, we're one. This same Jesus days later is saying, my God, my God, where are you? This same Jesus that, 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 that invites us to pray, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, that, that God is so intimate and real to him, that God is just right there. The same Jesus now feels abandoned and alone on the cross. Raw emotions. Now, I don't know about you. There's some people that struggle with the human Jesus. And when I say the human Jesus, he's still fully God, but he's also fully human. And it's, a, it's, it's something that I can't explain. Some people struggle with the humanity of Jesus. I gotta tell you, I love the humanity of Jesus. Because when I see the humanity of Jesus, I see that as an invitation from God. God saying, you can too. When you put your faith and your trust in me, just as human Jesus can experience emotional emotions and loss and hurt and suffering and still be obedient, Paul, you can too. There's a partnership. There, there's, there's a companionship that I feel with the human Jesus. And Jesus was obedient fully human Jesus was obedient even in the midst of his suffering. The faith of Jesus 
rose above how he felt. I feel abandoned. I feel alone. But yet will I serve him and I will stay on this cross and I will die on this cross and I will not curse God and I will not forsake God and I will not forget God, but I will remain true and obedient to the end. His obedience, the obedience of Jesus was not based on the feelings of Jesus. So what's our application? Faith rises above feelings. In suffering, faith has to be based on more than what we're feeling. Folks, we are emotional human beings and sometimes our feelings will be wrong. We, we will feel something that will not be consistent with our faith and our faith must rise above our feeling. And if our faith, if our following of Jesus is only fueled by what we're feeling in the moment, if it's only an emotional thing, it will fade in the circumstances and the suffering of life. So how do we remind ourselves? I, I, I talked to our Wednesday night crew as we were talking uh, about last week's sermon. I was bouncing ideals off this week's sermon on him, I guess. <laughs> I suggested the ideal of a two-sided list. See, see I, I think sometimes we, we just ignore those emotions. We just, we, we suppress them and, and, and we forget them and we ignore them. And, 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 and I think it's a mistake to, to ignore how we're really feeling. To, to not explore and examine and, and, and see how we're feeling and identify it. I think that can lead to this false following of Jesus where, where you never match faith and feeling. And I think sometimes in our life, faith and feeling should match, amen? And I think what can happen is we can become hollow in our Christianity. We can become less mature in our Christianity because we're not exploring how humanly we feel and the emotions of following Jesus. So I would suggest a two-sided list. And, and on one side of the list, you, you write down how you feel. For example, I feel alone. God, I just feel all by myself right now. And draw a line. And then on the other side, put faith. And find scripture. On the other side of I feel alone, write, I will never leave nor forsake you. Hebrews 13.5. Maybe you say, God, things just can't work out. There's no good result from this circumstance. On the other side, right? We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. Maybe right on one side of the paper, I can't make it through this. That there's no way, God, I can survive this circumstance. Right on the other side, God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. God 
doesn't even know. You ever feel like that? Jesus says, you know, there's not a sparrow that falls from the sky that my father doesn't know. (laughs) And here's the good news. You're worth more than sparrows, okay? And that was bad there. I about tripped over there and I about reenacted my face plant for you. That'd have been great, wouldn't it? The very hairs on your head are numbered. God knows every detail of your life. While you were in your mother's womb, you were already seen and known. In suffering, faith rises above feelings. And when we identify those feelings and we identify our faith, we become mature followers of Jesus growing in our faith. Now, can I take this a step further? See, I don't think that that faith rising above feelings and suffering is at the end, but it's what it produces. That, that in our suffering, God is trying to produce something in us that, that allows our faith to move us past what we're feeling in the moment. Romans 5, 3 through 4 says, Not so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope is this this proactive word, this this word that it's more than a feeling, but, but, but hope is this favorable expectation. That this belief that God is going to do something beyond my ability in this circumstance. And see, hope drives us to act in a way sometimes contrary or at least beyond what we're feeling in the moment. It's living by what we believe and not simply living by what we feel. So you, you realize we live in a world that lives by its feelings, right? And as mature followers of Jesus Christ, as we're following him, we are called to live beyond what we're just emotionally feeling, but living to our beliefs. And suffering produces in us that ability to persevere and develop hope so that we can live beyond what we feel in the moment. Let me give you some examples. Living by what we believe and not simply by what we feel. We understand that confession, not concealment, is the way to spiritual wholeness. That, that, that somehow it's by being vulnerable and open with where we're failing that God can somehow move us to wholeness, not by concealing it from everyone. So we don't, we don't feel like confessing, but sometimes we do confess because we have hope that God can use it for our good. Forgiveness, not retribution, is the way to relational wholeness. <laughs> Who would admit, I will, forgiveness is sometimes, most of the time, in real circumstances, very hard And forgiveness is not something usually we just 
feel like doing, but by faith, we allow our faith to rise above our feelings or our actions to rise above our feelings. Generosity, not hoarding, is the way to financial wholeness. In other words, by giving, somehow we find a way to financial wholeness, wholeness, not just simply by keeping. Serving, not relaxation, is the way of physical wholeness. These are all things that, that move us past our feelings and make, makes us rely upon our faith. Letting go of your life, not holding on is the way to really living. See, God's calling us to more than just feelings. More, more than a feeling. Wasn't there a song, More Than a Feeling, right? God's, I'm sure there's been a song, More Than a Feeling. You guys don't look at me like I'm... Somebody at least nod your head at me, okay? Boston. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. And you can come to the altar first. Listen to Boston. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. Isn't it good to see Mike? How's your shoulder, Mike? Okay, good. How do you need to allow your faith to rise above your feelings? What, what, where are you in your life? And, 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 and what aspect of your life are you allowing your feelings to trump your faith? That, that you know that God's calling you to something more, but, but, but you're living so close to your feelings that, that God's not moving in the way or you're not acting or living in the way that God would desire you to act. See, I believe that we need to have a time to respond. And it's, it's 9.33, and I'm not going to tarry real long, but I, but I believe God's word demands a response. Stand with me, if you will. I believe God's word demands a response. I, I believe the cross demands a response. I believe the Spirit's presence here this morning demands a response. Amen? Amen. And it may be, Maybe that's a crazy thing to say. I know some of you are going through deep waters of suffering. And I know that the suffering is real. And I know just like Jesus, some of you are saying or have said or have felt, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've been true. Where are you? And maybe some of you are just going through just deep waters and you just need to find a time to meet with God at an altar. Maybe it's on the proactive part, the hope part. Maybe God's calling you to a point of generosity or to a point of forgiveness or maybe God's calling you to, to this to service and, 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 and you just don't feel like it even though your faith says, I need to. So we're paused just a second. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. You know, there's nothing magical, super spiritual about an altar, but when we walk out and we kneel at an altar, there's something about that act. Maybe you'd just like to come and pray. We're going to wait just a second, then I'm going to close this in prayer. may be seated or take take two minutes talk to God and then I'm going to close this in prayer
or Heavenly Father, we're not talking about something that's hypothetical. This isn't just some theological discourse on, on, on what's not real, but it's the reality of life. All of us suffer. All of us have feelings associated with that suffering. And Lord, if we were honest, all of us would say there's times when we feel all alone. There's times when our faith feels distant. Lord, I can think about times in my life, and, and like Jesus, there's been times I've said, my God, my God, where are you? Why do I feel so alone? And so Lord, right now I pray for those in the midst of suffering that, that you will allow their faith to rise above how they're feeling. That, Lord, they will, they will cling to your scriptures, that they will cling to your word, And Lord, know that you are the God who sees, you are the God who hears, you are the God who comes to our rescue. We we don't go through anything alone, but you walk beside us. Help us to cling to that promise. Lord, help us to live in obedience, even in the midst of our, our difficult days. Lord, may we count our blessings, may we be thankful, may may we continue to do the things you call us to do. Now, Lord, for those struggling with moving past feelings to to a point of obedience, maybe it's forgiveness, maybe it's generosity, maybe it's service. Will you give us this proactive hope, this hope that moves us to action, that that animates our life with, with a new directive and a new mission? Lord, help us not to be a feeling-based church or feeling-based people. But Lord, may our actions be based on faith, trusting you, Lord, fully. Now, Lord, in praying that, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that somehow feelings will be eliminated. Emotions will be eliminated. They won't be. And somehow, through the wonder of these imperfect bodies, these imperfect vessels, these clay vessels that you inhabit us with your Holy Spirit and you move us and you use us. So Lord, help us to see ourselves as we are, to see you as you are, and allow you, Lord, to be God of our lives. Now, Lord, I pray for those in this sanctuary today, those going through hard times, bless them, keep them, protect them, Lord. Lord, we particularly lift up those going through sickness right now. Lord, there's too many to name. And I'm not going to try to. For fear that I'd forget somebody, Lord. But I I know in this congregation, there are literally dozens upon dozens of people who are going through deep waters right now. Be with them, Lord. Lift them up, Lord. Lord. May may we, your body, may we, the the body of Christ in this world, gather around them and love them like you love them. Now, Lord, I give you praise. I give you thanks for this church. I give you thanks for the example of faith that I see in this church. Those who have, have shown me Jesus Christ over and over. And I pray, Lord, that you will bless us and use us. That somehow, Lord, we will find... Um, further significance in you, and Lord, we will be a a missional community of faith in this community. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. God bless.